guys, you're listening to episode 45 of the School of Intuition Soundcast. I'm Natasha Che. This soundcast is a self-realization training for the empathic badass. Every week, I share with you a piece of teaching that helps you to integrate spiritual wisdom into practical action and to deepen your intuitive connection with your higher self. Now, regularly, I get messages from my listeners, telling me what you guys are up to and what you want to hear about on this soundcast. And I just want you to lo- know that I absolutely love your sharings. For example, this week VJ wrote in and he said, "What I'm looking for from this soundcast is to go beyond the mundane world and experience life as the eternal source." Well, VJ, I think you will love today's episode because I have two amazing guests on the soundcast today, who are just so very articulate about how to tap into the source within you and find your authentic inner power. And they also happen to be the most adorable couple ever. I mean, I will share a picture of them when this episode is published, and you will see what I mean. Our guests today, Casey and Brad Wallace, they are renowned spiritual teachers and facilitators of transforming consciousness. Since Brad's near-death experience about ten years ago, they have also become conduits for advanced intelligence named Julius. You know, guys, I don't usually talk a lot about. Things like angels, spiritual guides, and so on, because I try to keep this soundcast accessible. And those things they're simply not present in a lot of people's realities. But if you're always interested in messages from other realms, Casey and Brad are the experts on that. And even if you're not, here's what I want to tell you. Okay, my philosophy is it really doesn't matter. Where a teaching comes from, what matters is whether it helps you, whether it resonates at this current stage of your human journey. So, regardless, I think you will love what they have to share with us today. And these days, Casey and Brad travel around the country teaching and running workshops and facilitating healings. And I'm so glad they're in the house today because we are in for a treat. And I. Can't wait to get started. So, without further ado, Casey, Brad, welcome to the School of Intuition. Thank you for having us on today. Yeah, we are thrilled to be here and absolutely honored to be in the presence of your listeners, Natasha, as well as yourself. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Well, I'm really curious to hear the details of how you guys started on this. Current stage of your journey. So, Brad, I heard that your spiritual teaching practice—it all started. It was triggered by a car accident in 2007. Is that right? That is correct. I like to tell people it was the opportunity for me to readjust my life, and I get a do-over because of the accident. I was prescribed a medicine to stop because I had a brain injury, and it would literally shut my brain down at night because I couldn't sleep.、Mm-hmm. And I swallowed the whole bottle of pills, and I overdosed on the medicine. And in the midst of all of this taking place, I left this plane of existence here on this earth,、mm-hmm. and not only got the unique experience of 
being able to continue to watch what was going on here as everyone was trying to revive me and get me back. But I was also at the same moment experiencing what it's like on the other side, life or what we all will experience or some will experience when we leave this existence. And this is where I was given the fabulous opportunity to be taught by a group that we now come to know as Julius. That sounds absolutely fascinating. And I want to ask you more about that. What was life like before your car accident? I was a contractor. I had a fairly good-sized construction company. Mm-hmm. I was deeply embedded in a religion. We live in Utah, mm-hmm. and uh, local religion, so to speak, I was deeply involved in. And this certainly was not something that I would even have given five minutes of my time to even discuss. I I didn't believe things like this happened. Mm-hmm. I didn't believe. What a perfect opportunity for it to happen to you then, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You never know what life is in store for us. Yes. (laughs) All of that resistance. All that resistance. Bringing that right to you, huh, man? Yeah, totally changed my life. (laughs) Totally changed my life. I am not the same person that I was before. I don't think the same. I don't act the same. And it was the classic awakening experience, right? And do over. The do over syndrome. Yeah. 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 I want to hear you talk more about that. So when you say it's the classical awakening experience, what exactly happened in that experience? What stages did you go through? Well, I actually just immediately stepped into some people call it a tunneling effect. Mm-hmm. And I really just, as I opened my eyes and stepped through into what some people would call the tunnel, I recognized real fast that it really wasn't a tunnel, but it was more of like a, a hollow building that I was standing in that was full of coloration. Mm-hmm. It was full of sound. And I could recognize things that were happening around me. And the minute you thought of it, it happened. And fairly soon within that experience, a being show presented themselves to me, gently tapped me on the shoulder and asked me, did I want to go back? And I immediately knew that they were talking about coming back here to earth. Mm-hmm. And my thought process was, So what you're telling me is if I go back, I'm going back to the body that I just left. And that would be the body that I would be returning to and would theoretically be spending the rest of my time in. And the answer was yes. And that's why most people decide not to come back. Why is that? Because they know that they're coming back to the body that they just left. Because that's the experience that you are still in. You haven't closed the book, so to speak, mm-hmm. on that experience in your life. So if you think about people, for instance, that have been in a bad car wreck or plane crash or a train wreck or those types of things, this is why people don't come back because they know that they're going to be in the body that they just left. So the container was broken. <laughs> right. Okay. Yes. That's a good way to look at it. The container was broken. And so Mm -hmm. being the type of person that I was, I said, yes, I would would go back. 
But if I'm going back, I want you all to come with me because there's no way in the world nobody's ever going to believe my story. Did you believe it at the time? How did you know that it was uh, you? You were not like、uh, in a coma and hallucinating or something? Because I was watching both things happen at the same time. Yeah. And there's an emotional aspect to all of it. And when you know something feels a certain way, right. It's true. Now it might not be true to somebody else, but it's true to you. Yes. And anyone who is true to themselves will never deny the way they feel about something and the way it emotionally moves them.、Mm. Otherwise, you're not being true to yourself,、mm. and this is where fear and turmoil comes into people's lives, and they are unhappy. And、yes. so. Watching what was going on and taking place, and watching everybody work on me, and I recognized what was happening back here on the earth, and I was able to recognize being in both places at once, and being able to remember things that we talked about that they presented to me. I was gone eight hours in human existence time, and actually, since time is an illusion. That basically is, you know, a fraction of a second, so to speak, that I was gone.、Mm-hmm. But for eight hours, I was able to watch what was going on here on the earthly realm and know what I was experiencing here and how everybody was trying to revive me and watching the doctors work on me. Did you have trouble, like, reconcile? What you were experiencing at the time was your belief system that that、uh, you said like before this experience. Fabulous question, Natasha. Fabulous question. I knew immediately that this was not what I had been taught.、Mm-hmm. This was not what I had been taught growing up. Bits and pieces fit in, but not all of it. Being the type of person that I am. I accepted what was going on and kind of just tucked it away in the back of my mind as okay, this is going to be a different type of experience.、Mm-hmm. So let's just see how it plays out, and we'll just go from there. Now, part of the process is I knew that I was coming back to a person who had a brain injury,、mm-hmm. so I had to learn how to walk again. I had to learn how to talk again. How to read and write and do all the things that humans take for granted every day, and I didn't have any help, and so I asked the group if I could be sent some help so that I could be given a little bit of help along the way, and they assured me all of that was taken care of, and so we embarked back here on this earthly plane of existence, and. When I woke up at the hospital, Casey was standing there, and we've been together ever since. Oh, that's so fascinating! So I want to talk about that. Did you guys know each other before this、uh, accident? Her daughter worked for me as my secretary,、mm-hmm. but I had only met her. We were actually actively helping Brad get him to his doctor's appointments and things like that. So after Brad had his car accident, Natasha, he was completely debilitated、mm-hmm. and was left in a rather dire circumstance. He trusted Kimberly, even though she'd only worked with him for for a short time.、Mm. And、uh, I had had a dream that I was supposed to help Brad. So Kimberly and I started taking him to his doctor's appointments and making sure his prescriptions were filled. And we were checking up on him, you know, every day. We're the ones that found him.
uh, unconscious and non-responsive when he'd taken all of his pills. So I started CPR on him Mm -hmm. um, while the emergency crew came. So we were in the hospital waiting, you know, to kind of hear how everything was going to unfold itself. We'd been told by the doctors that they didn't think he was going to make it and that everybody should just kind of go home and they, you know, keep everybody notified. But I didn't go home that night. I decided to stay back. So when Brad woke up, the doctor came out and got me. When I walked into the room, he was sitting up in bed and I immediately started trans-channeling Julius back to Brad in the room. So they, I, we know that they wanted to make sure that Brad didn't discard what had taken place for him. So the dialogue was very intense and very recognizable. And from there, the experience with Julius took off. And for the first year, they worked directly with Brad to work him through his brain injury. And during that time, it's Brad that really pushed the article of putting us out for everybody to hear what Julius had to say, knowing that Julius's teachings would would be helpful for everybody. Let's pause for a second, because I'm curious about, you know, what what your background is, Casey, like before you had this encounter. Were were you uh, in the same religion or were you a spiritual person? No, I actually have had it really easy in my life, Natasha, as far as resistance goes. So I was not raised with a religion. Mm. I experienced intuitive gifts as a child, as most children do. And thankfully, my husband, my parents never shut that down for me. They didn't overly try to pull that out of me. But I didn't get the, no, 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 we don't do that. No, 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 that's wrong. And so I was able to allow some of this intuitiveness to unfold. I would definitely say that whatever I was doing was leading me towards this experience with Julius, kind of building up my ability to allow it, my ability to accept it. But I definitely wasn't walking around spewing out profound wisdom, you know, to everybody in the neighborhood. I mean, I've been a hair was a hairdresser for over 30 years. I had my own hair studio. Mm-hmm. Although some people would say that as a hairdresser, I was a great therapist for everybody. And who knows <laughs> Usually that's what makes a hairdresser successful. Right, right, right. But uh, so intuitive hits along the way. But nothing that I was ever going to do anything with. I mean, you know, what the hell are you going to do with that? This shifted everything. And it was a real challenge to make decisions about switching gears and doing this, really putting this out there because Brad is the type of person that doesn't do anything small. He figured if we're getting out there, we are getting out there. And I had to wrestle with some altered ego issues of my own self as far as the way people were going to receive me, the judgments and things like that. Tell us more about that because many empathic intuitive beings but that's the weak spot for us what what other people would think whatever your eternal belief system is so we have eternal belief system meaning that we are eternal beings and we go on for eternity and we incarnate ourselves into all kinds of experiences both physical and non-physical and so when you have intuitive gifts a good many of us that do have very strong impressions and even memories of previous lives or previous existences. So a lot of imprinting can hit us from a lot of those experiences. And if we've been on this earth ship and we've displayed intuitive gifts in any part of our history here, we more than likely have been persecuted, prosecuted, 
burned at the stake, heads chopped off, things like that. So there can definitely be a subconscious imprint against showcasing our gifts. Thankfully, if we are present in this day, those gifts are really embraced and showcased as inspirations for everybody and allowances for everybody, which is perhaps why we came back at this time was to resolve all of those things and to be able to take flight with our gifts. But yeah, to get over those fears, you have to work them. Together, we have worked them. There's times when Brad falters. There's times when I falter. We have a great team between the two of us. But that's also about creating supportive community like you have done, Natasha, with your broadcast. And so many people are doing nowadays to invite people in with their messages and have an audience that at least has some allowing to them and not just throwing daggers at us anymore. Although we've had a little bit of that, we've learned to work past that and just work in our loving space and our expressive space for ourselves. Tell me about a time when this happened, when you encounter internal resistance or external resistance. Was before this I get on stage, yeah, before I get on stage and throw up and have diarrhea and I don't want to go out there. <laughs> <laughs> Example, right? How did it actually start? So, Brad at the time was、uh, kind of practically a, he's a half stranger at the time, right? Yeah, he、uh, not, he was not your family. He was not you know a close、uh, friend or anything. What made you feel like you you had obligation to help him? I wouldn't really call it an obligation. It was more of an agreement, a memory of agreements. The flashes of dreams, the flashes of memories come through. Knowing that this has taken place many times before, and hoping that he didn't think I was crazy when I was telling him that, and he didn't. There's a very, very strong energetic connection between Brad and I, and it was there from the very beginning. Though we didn't know exactly why it was there or how it could be there, because neither of us had really experienced that in relationships and marriages, quite frankly, that we had before. But this time, maybe a little bit of it was the age that we were—kind of second half of our life. Let's get rid of our fears. Let's jump off the cliff. Let's do something totally according to the way it feels,、mm. without the logical mind engaging, influencing, and derailing the way we are feeling. Which is usually how most people walk through their life. They.、Yeah. Altered ego derails the dreams, derails the hopes and the beliefs, and we just didn't do that this time. What motivated you to take on this new approach to really embrace how you feel, what your authentic inspiration is, rather than having your mind, <laughs> you know, controlling the the agenda like、uh, in most people's life. I think knowing that it was, it felt good when I channeled Julius. It felt good. Brad felt good. We were watching miraculous things happen with his health through Julius's inspiration. When we would talk to people and Julius would come through, they felt good. I was getting hugs. I was getting praises. Thank you. Thank you. This has changed my life. So it is the affirmations. From other people that help us, because we're the hardest on our own selves. That's、mm-hmm. the truth. That helped the encouragement. You must do this. You must get out on stage. You must present this. 
And then people started saying, here, you need to call this person and you need to call that person and you need to go here and you need to go there and let me call this person for you. So the pathways were starting to open. We could have shut them down very, very easily, but they felt good, Natasha. It felt like a gift emerging. It felt like the expansiveness erupting and spilling out. We obviously had a lot of things to work through, especially Brad, both physically and mentally, but we had that feeling that Brad is talking about of knowing that this pathway would bring us joy. The other thing, Natasha, and the road certainly was not easy. It hasn't been easy, okay? You embark upon this journey, and of course, you certainly have the naysayers that are ready to, as Casey put, burn you at the stake. But you cannot deny yourself. You cannot deny the agreements that you've made. At least I can't. I cannot. I always remember as I reflect back the fact that I agreed to do this. Yeah, many times when I said, I'm not doing this anymore, I'm not doing this anymore, and he would look at me and say, well, we had kind of agreed to do this, and Julius has kind of promised us and guided us, and through some tears and through some fits and screamings and things like every other human being has, yes, we kept stepping forward, but that's where you lean, that's where you lean, okay? Brad, me, Brad's would, a big guy, uh, and be, I can lean on him. And it would <laughs> It would be very easy, very easy to turn around and say, nope, we're done. We're not doing this anymore. I've had enough. When the person walks up to you and belittles you and tells you you're crazy and that you're the devil and what you're doing is stripping mankind of all their consciousness, Mm -hmm. you have to sit back and take a breath and smile inside and say, nope, I see things differently than you do. There were times, Natasha, when Brad, he just didn't allow me to see some of the emails. Yeah. Most of the emails have been very, very supportive, very kind and loving, mostly from people like you're speaking of with your audience who've been looking for inspiration to express themselves through, looking for permission from someone or, or someplace to reveal themselves, to display themselves, you know, through their own magnificence. And so hopefully some of what we do is just inspire that for people. And then we feel we've done a great, great exchange, energy exchange with people. But some of the emails Brad just didn't let me see. And actually that's kind of how it continues now, our support room through (laughs) part of our support group filters. Although, thankfully, we don't have to do a whole lot of it because, quite frankly, the really strong religious doctrine following people, they're not going to listen to anything we're on. They're just not in alignment with that. So we don't hit hard conflict. It's not like we're on really, really, really strong right-winged conservative programming. Yes. I don't know if you realize just how valuable your sharing has been because as intuitive beings, as you yourself clearly understand this perfectly, we take on others' opinions pretty hard. You can have a thousand positive things said to you and okay, it's all well and good. And then one person says something negative and then you, that's all you think about, right? Oh boy, you got, you got that so true. What was beautiful though, was this for us. What was really interesting for a while, Natasha, is every single event 
mm-hmm. that we did or that we were invited to partake in, there did always seem to be one person in that audience that was just waiting for an opportunity to stand up, be called upon, and start with the criticisms. And Julius handled them so beautifully, okay? Mm -hmm. Allowing them to express themselves, telling them back that Julius honors their opinion. Could they possibly be courteous enough to extend the same respect? And in a way was able to calm that person down, get the energy back down. And in most cases, the person would sit back down and continue listening to the whole thing. And by the time we were done, come up at the end and shake our hands. And even if they did not agree with everything, they loved how beautifully Julius came through for them and the fact that Julius never told them they were wrong. Because everybody who stands up and, and starts to initiate conflict, they're always wanting, they need to feel like they're right. So that means that they are somebody who has been told they're wrong a lot. Yeah. And wasn't going into that energy. When I would watch back on some of those videos, or Brad would encourage me to watch back on some of those videos, we learned. We learned from Julius how to handle criticism without buying into the energy of the criticism. And so we got to practice. We got to practice. And so that also has helped us through the years. Yeah, I just want to applaud you for sharing your messages with the world because this is hard. This is hard to do for most people to firmly stand in who they really are yeah, and to share with the world what is inspiring because there's always this chatter at the back of your head. It's what's the point of doing this? Like, you right. know, what would people think? Right, right. The monkey mind, Julius yeah. calls that the monkey mind mm-hmm. that's always chewing on us. This is actually part of what Julius teaches, actually. Thank you for bringing that up, is how to get that internal strength out of you, how to unleash your magnificence without judgment of your own self and therefore of no others. Mm -hmm. And that that brings joy. That aspect alone is such a joyous component emotionally that you start to understand what you are doing here or why you came. The bottled up syndrome is what causes a lot of chronic conditions, diseases and stuff, all that energy that we're afraid to express. It's basically just kind of chooses up inside. It's all that judgment energy. And so- Can you you say more about that? So what what is the bottled up energy? Yeah, it's the the energy of non-expression Mm-hmm. And it's the energy of self-judgment, self-judgment. In fact, we teach people that you really need to be selfish. And I know that sounds contradicting, but our teachings teach that you cannot give to another what you do not have yourself. So you need to understand who yourself is, and you need to understand what's bottled up inside of you before you could ever begin to give away to somebody else something feel yourself. The energy flow of expression is extraordinary. It is electrifying, really, it is. Well, we say at least when you're expressing yourself, 
lovingly, not in a harmful way, mostly harmful to your own self, but all of the beautiful magnificence that sits in every single one of us collectively as the all is creating that's what we do is we create, we take thought, we, and through our emotions and our perspectives, we demonstrate that thought. So we're continually in creative expression. But the question is, is are you judging your creative expression or are you allowing your creative expression? One will bring you stress and anxiety, anger, depression, and remorse and guilt. And the other will bring you joy and happiness and bliss. How can people be more allowing Mm -hmm. of who we truly are? We have to first work with non-judgment of self. That's the truth. We teach, or Julius teaches you, that you are source, and there's nothing more magnificent than that. So to begin the process of vantage point and viewpoint of self, uh, no matter where you come from in your belief system, most people would agree that whatever they have ever perceived to be source as they usually would perceive that being or that energy to be a magnificent thing, a beautiful thing. And we want everybody to see, begin to see themselves that way. That is a challenge for a lot of people. The process begins by getting into alignment with your emotions that you have mostly stifled in your life and been judged upon. As you learn to find the extremely powerful experience of your emotions and navigating through the non-judgment of them, it literally becomes kind of that rebirthing process for you. Not rebirthing on a religious component, but the re-emergence of yourself. It's extraordinary. It really is. Most things that identify human beings, Natasha, come from external Mm -hmm. point of view, from the organizations that you belong to, the families you belong to, the economic system that you belong to, the education that you have acquired. And you acquire an identity of acceptance based on everybody else's vantage point. Julius loves to give a wonderful analogy in the teachings, which is the white room theory. Mm -hmm. You were in a white room with no windows, no doors, and no mirrors. How would you know who you were? How would you know who you were? And the answer to that question is you would know by the way you feel about your thoughts. Mm. That teaches you who you are. And so that goes right to the core of aligning yourself with your authentic self. So what do you suggest people do when we feel depressed or we feel rejected, we feel angry or we feel sad? Basically, you have to just pull your big pants up and stop it. Okay, really, Julius causes for what we call a halting action, a halting action against those thoughts where you literally say, no, no. You go right into exploratory breathing exercises simply by focusing on your breath, usually alleviates the altered ego mind chewing at you. And then you can calm yourself, find yourself into the now practices where you then are the initiator of your thoughts and your emotions in what you choose. Because whether you realize it or not, You're choosing the perception and the thoughts that got you into, excuse my expression, the shit show of depression. And with great training and great discipline, you can navigate your way out of those perceptions and out of those thoughts. It takes practice, but we have been very assured that you have practiced fear for a long time. 
and you have gotten really good at it. So let's get you getting better at the more positive stuff and the more useful stuff for your achievements and your joy. Guys, you apparently you have found your calling, which is to spread the enlightening, inspiring messages to humanity. And for many people listening, I know that a lot of people we are struggling to find what what is our thing.、Mm-hmm. So we are struggling to find what is that clarity, what is the purpose that will actually give us joy. You know, how do you think people should go about finding that for themselves? Well, we support that we don't have just one path, Natasha. Our、mm-hmm. souls will do everything; they will do it masterfully, and they will gain expansion from doing everything. And that expansion will lead you to joy. So we take off the table that there is only one thing that you come to do, because that is really off-putting, isn't it? I mean. How do you know if you found it? I mean, that is so elusive.、Mm-hmm. So Julia supports that everything is governed by your feelings, right? So we tell everybody start thinking. What would you like to do? What's appealing to you? You can do that by going different places and interacting with people, seeing things that people do. Yeah, most people find themselves stuck at home watching television. Yeah. Or on a computer, sucked up in social media somehow, and they don't know what to do with their life. What we tell people is: shut it all off, go for a walk. Yeah, yeah. Go out and walk. Go out and walk in a park.、Mm-hmm. Go out and walk in a museum.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go out into a children's museum. Yeah, you want inspiration of thought? Go to a children's museum. Okay.、Mm-hmm. Where they have taken an idea and found a way to express it. So, to answer your question, we love all of the arts. We consider every form of expression to be artful. To be artful, even our beautiful tech people express themselves artfully through electronics and devices, and the ability to find ways to make things work. You've got to start. Thinking about thoughts that you're interested in, and we start this exercise by saying you got to take off the table. Well, I don't have enough money to do it. I don't have enough education to do it, and I don't live in the right place to do it. Those things aren't allowed on the paper. Okay, it starts with a total fantasy. If I could do anything, what would it be? Now, from there, literally, after you've written down five or six different things, you start branching off. What's associated with this? What's associated with that? And you start kind of this rippling thought effect. You start to work those thoughts. You go for walks. You go for meditations. You're going to be amazed at what might start showing up in your life. We the call conver- them the yeah, runners that show even up. Even the conversation that happens, right? For- No reason whatsoever. Right. You bump into somebody, and man, a conversation starts. And wow, that's your runner、yeah. for the day because you've been thinking about it, and it happened. Yeah. And then, then we tell people start dabbling, start tapping, dabble, dabble a little bit in something that you have an interest in, and see how it feels. You don't have to take your life savings and throw it all into one pot. Because you had a dream one night, you can, and in which case we wish upon you the most magnificent journey ever. 
But for other people, you've got to start dabbling. You've got to. And how do you know what to dabble in? By the way the subject feels to you. That feels good. That feels like that would be wonderful. It feels good to be in here. Start dabbling and see how the snowball starts to unleash. Once you get into the practice of testing out new thoughts and becoming truly, truly recognizable with your emotions, you're going to start to find directions. But know that it doesn't have to be one burning bush phenomenon in your life. You can do anything and everything that feels good. And as long as it feels good to you, you are following your soul because your soul is the emotional processor of thought. And if it is joyous to you, your soul is guiding you. So just to reflect back on what you just said, you're so very right that a lot of times we let logic and thoughts to override what we are truly feeling. But feelings are actually, you know, it's the source of inspiration. It's the message from the soul that tells you what's your really authentic path. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And you know how much you've been cut off from your emotions? Seriously. I mean, without getting into too many literal technical things that are cutting you off from your emotions, but from the medications that you take, from the judgment of the organizations that you belong to, from your parents who told you not to feel certain emotions or act certain ways. You grew up being told that there were certain emotions that you could expect or that you could show and there were some that you couldn't show. And so it's been just a literal controlling aspect in your whole life that it Some people don't even know how to experience an emotion. Right. Now, we understand that some people feel, especially empathic people, Natasha, which we know is a good portion of your audience, okay? And they can be challenged with deciphering whose emotions they're feeling because Mm -hmm. they take on the emotions around them. All of that can be mastered by focusing on recognizing your own emotions. People just don't spend time doing it. They don't. They don't do exercises in emotions. They don't. It's the last thing they do is self-recognize. Boy, they spend all day recognizing each other. But self-recognition is not taught. It is not encouraged. And of course it's not. Because that would lead you to empowerment, and then you wouldn't need anybody out there. And so everything's got to keep you in need. Every kind of commerce has got to keep you in need. And so these are basic, basic exercises. You may have possibly dabbled in some emotional recognizable exercises in kindergarten and preschool, but then you were told that those were childlike behaviors and you needed to grow up. Mm. That's very true, you know, that that is how the education system is uh, constructed from parents to teachers. Well, guys, I also am very curious about, you know, how do you make decisions these days? Because you guys are inspirational leaders, but you also, this is a business and running a business, you need to make practical decisions, right? And there are thousands of them you have to make and millions of things to do. So how do you know when you're doing enough, not enough? Should you try this, try that? How do you how do you manage that? We never we never know. Not yet. <laughs> we, we we still Natasha, can you show us how to do that? We don't know how to do that. No. <laughs> 
We have an incredible support team that we have been blessed to be in alignment with. It took a long time to find them. It has taken a lot of hit and miss. It has. There's been a lot of what people would say mistakes that have been made along the way. We call them experiences. Expansive experiences. Expansive experiences that yeah. we're, we continue to learn from. Yeah, but we, uh, we bounce. We bounce ideas around the round table. We do. And we have developed extreme trust, people that work with us. And we communicate. And we do. And we come, we have great communication with people like yourself. We have great communication with listeners. We listen, we listen, we intake, and we feel. We listen, yeah. we intake, and we feel. And we know that how we felt at the time was correct, even though it may not have played itself out. Mm -hmm. exactly how we had originally projected that is just the way of the physical realm and that in and by itself can provide extraordinary expansive experiences for you continue on and soldier on on your journey there is nobody in the humanoid race that has made every thought decision work for them it's absolutely impossible you know that's true from every financial icon out there to business moguls to artistic and celebrity types of people, we are human. There's nobody who has made every single seamless navigated decision on their journey. They will all tell you that it is the hits and misses that actually help to make the hits so exhilarating and so joyous. Julius has a wonderful, wonderful expressive quote for that. And that is, we have never met a strong person who had it easy. Yeah. Guys, the reason I asked this is because I think a lot of uh, spiritual seekers, we have this false impression that, you know, if you're enlightened, if you have angels or spiritual guides to guide you, if you're super intuitive, then you don't make any mistakes or wrong decisions that everything is so smooth. And that is just cannot be farther from the truth. Because like you said, making the so-called mistakes, that is the human experience. That's what we came here for. And that is, uh, you know, a part of expansion of your consciousness. Yeah, Julius doesn't govern us in any way, shape, or form. We are only people who say, well, Julius should be showing you how to do that. And Julius has this wonderful quote, which is, <laughs> we are not the ones who need to know that we are God, are we, Master? <laughs> yes, that's so very true. Well, guys, I know you also, you have a lot of courses and workshops, and you also host a workshop called R-Factoring. Is that right? Yeah, we do. And what uh, is it? Thank you for asking, Natasha. It is uh, an extraordinary intensified three-day workshop with Julius. So long ago in a faraway land, when we started all of this, we found that people were knocking on our doors for healing applications, healing applications. And although Julius supports that your own rise in consciousness will heal everything in your own life, people still found themselves, our own students worldwide still found themselves hitting some real ceilings in their life about things that they couldn't navigate their way Yeah, we call it the bouncing effect. You, yeah. you bounce to a certain point, you hit the high point, and then, man, you come 
crashing back down to earth. And so everybody says, man, you guys got to do something about, we can't keep crashing. We just can't keep crashing. And so we uh, approached Julius about a program that we could possibly come up with. About a year ago, I had about a nine day session with Julius where I received a download from them on this program called Art Factoring. Basically, Natasha, it based on the theory that every everything physical and everything physical through this REM has a thought energy grid that surrounds it and runs through it. Mm-hmm. You as a human being see your world through this grid. You have embedded this grid with energetic patterns of either fear or love, mostly fear. And so your gridding system gets very, very influenced on the way it processes thought. And so you try to raise your consciousness, you try to go to higher places, but you just keep getting the same results in your life. This can be an indication that your thought matrix grid is so encrusted with fear that it may take some help to clear the pathways of that energy field. So you come to our facility for three days. Julius works directly pushing energy with you through your thought matrix gridding system, cleaning everything out, getting thing ever, getting everything resilient at the same time, teaching you how to change perception of thought, not teach you how to think the way Julius thinks. That's not what this is about. Mm-hmm. This is about you choosing where your thoughts would like to be for yourself and then helping to back that up with a new energy imprint. People leave the workshop feeling rejuvenated, feeling inspired. We are getting wonderful feedback from everybody who's come to the workshops and are telling us that they're making miraculous strides in their life. The money is starting to flow. People's cancer has been, they found an ability to heal their cancer, found abilities to develop relationships with people in their families that they've never been able to do before. So again, this is the R Factoring Workshop. Julius works with you directly to shift the energy pathways in your thought matrix grid, which you will carry on in your development of everything that you are doing fantastic in your life. We have a phase one and a phase two workshop. Each of those are three days apiece. And uh, it's really exciting stuff. We're making lots of momentum on that. Yeah, that sounds like a totally exciting program. Very fascinating. And if people want to check out that program, can they just go to your website? Absolutely. In the top banner on the website at expandwithjulius.com, there is a head that pops up with a matrix grid that runs through the head. It says in very bold letters, R factoring. Excellent. And, And this link will be included in the description of this episode. Well, Casey, Brett, I'm so glad (laughs) that you came on today on the show. And I had such a great time chatting with you guys. You are, you know, such exquisite light on this planet today. And I wish you all the best on your journey. And I hope you help so many more people who need your message at this point in time on this planet. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank Thank you, you. Natasha. We feel exactly the same way that you do. Thanks so much. 